saying when we did our pod, our last pod, that we probably wouldn't see each other. Yeah. As we were sat in the media <laughs> dining and we laughed. I think after recording that, I saw you once more, briefly, but the look in your eyes was so vacant that I don't even think you recognised me. <laughs> well, that was when I was leaving, wasn't it? It was, it was just a kind of, we have to say goodbye before I actually leave because, because we just hadn't seen each other for days. How was your Davis Cup? Well, you're still there. Well, we hadn't seen... Yeah, I'm currently... When we recorded the pod, the last one, we were in the media dining. I'm on my way there, but I'm just sat in a corner. And so as not to annoy anybody, I'm facing a wall. <laughs> it's, it's the glamorous world. I'm just facing a wall because there's people around preparing for today's final. You just sat in a corner. I sat in a corner facing a wall. I'm going to take a photo. <laughs> I'm also sat in somebody else's desk. But people are preparing because we're recording this on Sunday. I nearly forgot to let you have a honeymoon, which we thought was quite a good thing. But the one time I saw you, the reason you nearly didn't recognise me is because I don't think you'd had an awful lot of sleep when you did come across me. (laughs) Yeah, there was a late night finish. (laughs) It happened to be my court. Um, It was one of those things where at the beginning of the day, we thought that the USA-Italy tie was going to be the really late finish. Uh, because you know they've been ambitious with the schedule you know not gonna lie I mean a standard tournament has five singles matches from 11 a.m. on the main court they were hoping for six uh, which is done in Paris actually at the Paris Masters uh, but they were hoping for six but with big gaps sort of 20 minute half an hour gaps in between each match so obviously that adds up over the six matches so it was inevitable we were going to get a late a late finish and uh, it happened to be the one that I was doing so I had a very um, long stint, a very long match, a 4.04 a.m. finish. And I can officially say that I commentated on the second latest finish ever in tennis, just tennis across the board. And tennis, let's be fair, is pretty notorious for, for its late night finishes. We seem to love them. So what was the latest finish then? I, I saw that, that it was the second latest finish. And I thought, well, who on earth finished later than four minutes past four in the morning? It was 4.34 and it was at the Australian Open, and I, I, the players that were involved, it kind of leaves me now. But um, yeah, that was Australian Open 4.34, so we, we were never going to get that close. But it was a combination of things, because the double doubles match I'd done in the first tie, the, the daytime tie, the 11am start, had gone 7.66, 7.76, and was 2018 in the final <laughs> set tiebreak, <laughs> which, was, which was amazing. And I must say, like... I mean, when you're commentating, you try desperately not to repeat yourself. So some of the stuff I was coming out with was just hilarious. Honestly, I think when we got to about 15 all, I was like, this has to end. It's in the rules. <laughs> it, has, <laughs> it has to end at some point. And then um, uh, and then I ended up going on for the late late match, the, the doubles match as well. I also did two other singles matches that day. So it was a very busy day. Um, did the late match. And again, at three o'clock in the morning, it's kind of, you know, three all, four all in the final set. And I'm like, it's, it, it's quarter to four. And I'm like, this has to end at some point. <laughs> it definitely does. Well, wasn't the crazy thing about this match is that they were playing for nothing, as in both teams could not at this point progress so they were giving it their heart and soul which is amazing but at the end of the day they couldn't go through yes uh, but I don't think they were aware of that uh, particularly the American teams of Sock and Query who was in the doubles (laughs) (laughs) and I'm not saying they would have done anything differently if they knew they couldn't have gone through it's just that I don't think anybody on the team had done the maths so 
they played the match. They came back from a set down. They won it at four o'clock in the morning. Our friend and colleague, Lee Goodall, went down to interview them after the match and said, guys, what a great effort. It's gone 4 a.m. You really toughed it out there. You know, how are you feeling representing your country and all this sorts of stuff? And they said, and I think it was Query who said, yeah, well, hopefully I've given us, hopefully we've given us a really good shot at the quarterfinals. To which Lee was kind of like, oh, yeah, hopefully. But we all knew that they were out before the match even started. Oh. And then I was thinking now for Davis Cup with this round robin situation and only three groups in each in each group no only three teams only three nations I'm still very tired <laughs> it's been a long week it is, it's genuinely been a, a very very long and very hard week but a very exciting week as well there are uh, three teams in each group and I think now that the teams you know how they, they need to have people a physio a doctor and all sorts on their teams I think they need somebody who's good at maths they need somebody to work it out because what if they had just needed one game and they didn't know that no I, I completely agree they didn't know that they were they were already out and so obviously it doesn't really affect them and great that they fought and it was a fantastic match and a moment I will never ever forget but what if it was the other way around what if they were kind of playing and they had no idea that actually do you know what if you just get four games on the board you guys are through uh, and you need somebody in the team being able to, to crunch the numbers and the US unfortunately did not have that I keep I keep deferring or I kept deferring when it came down to the numbers and what might happen and remember I'm just I was just because they lost last night covering Great Britain how they were doing and in the end it was very very straightforward they had no chance of being the second best team in terms of finishing so they had to win and they would go through if not Kazakhstan would go through so it became very simple but anytime anyone asked me about the maths whether we were on air or doing a piece into five live I would always defer to tennis correspondent Russell Fuller I just feel with a correspondent title that they would be better placed to do that. And secondly, every time a match started and this big sheet of numbers and ways and percentages came up on the screen, just I just I just looked at it and it was quite a scary thing. So I kept thinking I wouldn't have to deal with it. Luckily I didn't because Great Britain, they were one of the final teams to play anyway. So we kind of knew what had happened, but wow, I mean it was confusing. I didn't I didn't I spoke at one time to four different people who had six different teams going through when only two places there for the teams to go through yeah it was definitely confusing and some clarity needed I was kind of similar to you I didn't really want to commit to saying the situation <laughs> as, as long as we knew somebody was through like they've definitely won the group they've won two ties they must be through <laughs> they, they definitely are in the quarterfinals but yeah it became um, quite uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely a little bit complicated. But look, that's the nature. I mean, we got used to it at the O2, didn't we? In London, we've got the permutations, similar in Milan as well. So, uh, but this is, just, I think this is more complicated because there's only three in each group. So that it's more likely to go on kind of set percentages and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, how about that? A 4.04 a.m. finish in the bag. And it's... Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's a very difficult thing to commentate on because as the, the match is fantastic and so competitive. But you also recognise you need to pace yourself because we didn't start until about half past one. So you you kind of, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really difficult. And as I say, we'd had all of the drama of the 2018 final set tiebreak just a couple of matches before. Do you know what? I ended up doing eight sets that went to seven six in a row and I think that is unheard of Ooh. eight in a row Ooh. seven six sets it was absolutely extraordinary so it was just very um but it was very cool because it was so competitive I don't know what you 
felt about it. But when you get this standard of players or the, the, the standard of players together that we've got in Madrid, it's always going to be competitive. We've had so many coming down to the deciding doubles, apart from the Colombians, unfortunately, who have the number one doubles pair in the world. Um, but I think it's been, a, it's been so competitive and so tense. I think it might be, this might be a difficult position to put you in because I was here working for the BBC, so fairly neutral. You were working for the World Groups. So you're effectively working for the tournament. So it may be difficult to ask you what you thought of the tournament in terms of good and bad because there are going to be pros and cons. The press conference was held actually a short while ago with Gerard Piquet, who is in charge of Cosmos, the investment company, and the ITF to talk about how they feel it's gone so far and they were talking about the crowds who were coming in and it was wonderful that it was shown to so many people etc etc but there's also going to be a few negatives and there's also going to be people that don't like change um, I think f for me the, the two things would be I do feel although those tie breaks were exciting um, I do think they should follow the ATP scoring so in doubles it should be deciding points and then go to a champions tie break so first to 10 points in the third because you were getting some exceptionally on days. I mean, it, it's, you know, 404 is a story you can tell your grandchildren. But when I saw you the next day, you didn't even recognize me. <laughs> you, 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 you look through me. Did, did you recognise me? Sort of. <laughs> my, my face was making very strange sort of shapes. It was, but it's it's quite, and and that's and I've had a couple of late ones, but nothing that matched that one. But it was difficult because you were getting matches starting very late because of the drama and the excitement and all these seven sixes and the doubles. So, I think that's that's one thing I might look at. And the other thing, I do feel, and I know I'm only focusing, was only focusing on one nation that I missed a lot of the tennis because there were three ties playing at the same time so we had monitors and we could look around the different courts but I do feel I missed a lot of the tennis. I tried to sneak out and see bits of it but there was so much going on in the first few days um, it's been great and the crowds and the other thing I still don't get how we've banished home and away ties and yet Spain just have a home tie and Spain are through to the final and in a 12,000 capacity stadium against Great Britain the Brits were amazing but there was maybe what 1,500 and then 11,000 Spanish ultimately the idea of it I, I really like I really like the week-long thing I really like putting it all together I just think there's too much tennis to fit into the week so whether they adjust how many teams are there or that whatever that situation is look I mean I very much enjoyed my match through to 4am but uh, you know it maybe was slightly difficult coming back the next day <laughs> to do more, more commentary and it's the same for everyone you've got to remember there are so many people involved that uh, you know you have to do that but for me I mean past midnight it's just no no time for tennis and it's, it's weirdly accepted in tennis. Um, and I, I, this is not anything direct towards the ITF or towards Davis Cup because this is just across the board. This is WTAs, ATPs, Grand Slam, everything. I find it very strange that it is almost something to be proud of when there's kind of nobody watching. And we think about Joanna Conter's match at the Australian Open. I mean, there's no one watching. It was a phenomenal match. Oh, I did that one. Did you do it? That's got to be one of your latest it ones, was, eh? That was... I think there was, I'm sure there was a Federer Monfils one at the US Open one year, but I'm pretty sure Johanna Conte. And when that finished, I think we ended up getting to bed at 4.30 and we had to get up at six o'clock to do a show on Five Live. And it almost felt like we hadn't been to sleep. And that was yeah. the time when they could have played on a different court, but they decided to stick to the court it was scheduled on. The spare court had bird poo all over it. 
because the oh, bird's pooing it all night. And the reason, <laughs> so you're sitting there thinking, there's this empty court, why can't we play on it? And then you get an official line. Can you imagine an official email coming through saying, we cannot play on this court because it's covered in bird poo. And you're sitting Wait, there. Wait, so do they every morning have to clean up the bird poo? Yeah. Oh, so they just have to clean the courts every day? Yeah. Wow, okay. But it, that's, you know, it, it, that's a rubbish it, job. Who got that? <laughs> but but it's around midnight, and you're thinking, oh well, there's there's a court free, so it can be moved over there. And everyone's talking about it in the press room, and suddenly you get, I'm afraid we cannot move it there because of the bird poo. And you think, well, someone's having a laugh with me. And then we switched on the monitor in our commentary box and thought, oh right, yeah, no, that's in a bad way right now. <laughs> yeah. and, and there and were loads of birds just still on it, weren't there? Just, <laughs> yeah, just, they just were just. Sitting, I mean, that's that's where they hang out, right at night. But it was it was a shame because it was such a good quality match but you know the player who then has to go and play the next round is broken it it's not healthy is it, it it's not healthy to be playing a tennis match at that time of night yeah and, and and that's the thing and everybody knows that you know I do a lot of stuff within mental health particularly in elite athletes and that is something that I'm I'm passionate about and it's just not great you know I just don't think it's fair on the players to have no one watching some of their biggest matches I think that it makes scheduling unfair through the year and it's just this weird acceptance in tennis like no other sport does it and I remember watching the um, World Athletics Championships in Doha earlier this year and because of the heat they had to run the marathon at midnight and they had to do lots of the long distance events really really late and they were sitting around it was the BBC team because I was watching the British coverage but we had Gabby Logan and Martin Johnson and, and everybody sitting around and saying, how how dare they do this to these athletes? I mean, what sort of sport would, would put their athletes through it and ask them to be at their best past midnight? And I was thinking, tennis, tennis, <laughs> we do it every week. We do it almost every week. It's unbelievable. And it is, it's just this bizarre thing that is like, it's like, we actually schedule matches knowing the earliest they could go on is 11 p.m. So I just think that that needs to be addressed across the board in tennis. Um, and the only way to do that at Davis Cup is to probably is to shift around the schedule to reduce the amount of teams or, or do something because six matches with gaps in the middle, well, it's, you're going to get a lot of past midnight finishes. And we could have had a really late one a really late finish for Spain, Great Britain. Now, it ended up finishing in straight sets in the doubles, but that straight sets doubles took two and a half hours. There is no shot clock here. Please, please, please bring in the <laughs> shot clock for next year. I cannot tell you. Rafa Nadal was doing his laundry. He was talking to friends. He was planning <laughs> his Christmas. He was, I mean, the amount of time. We sat there thinking that this, no, this Did you time it? Taking, I didn't Did time, time it, it, but it was, we, we just, there was part of us thinking, obviously, Great Britain had set points to take it to a decide and you want that to happen you want Great Britain to come through but there's part of you thinking my word that was already I think that finished around half past midnight and that was after two sets and then you think <laughs> for the for the Spanish players side they've got to play a final that day it's not even the next day anymore because we're into today so they had to do four on-court interviews then a press conference press conference and then pitches and all the bits and pieces and they've got to play again later today and maybe that's fine you know the, the adrenaline will be going but Rafa Nadal did actually say in press he's like I'm cutting this press conference short he said because Canada they had a couple of early finishes and they're you know they're back at the hotel and they're probably fast asleep so it's a uh, it's always going to be a difficult one when you're mixing all these matches and ties but uh, yeah that one was in danger of going like you know a really lovely 
thing that happened in that match, Spain against Great Britain, was the appearance of Roberto Bautista Agut. Now, he had to leave on Thursday because his father was very, very ill. Sadly, his father went on to pass away. And that night, they left a gap where they all stand up in the middle of the court. They left a space for him. And last night, he was back. He was back as part of the lineup, and he was there watching on from the sidelines. And he tragically lost his mum 18 months ago, and he's due to get married next week. So it was really nice to see him there in amongst the team and, and just being part of it. I know, and you could just see how much he wanted to be there as well, because, I mean, some people might look at that and go, this is crazy. I mean, why on earth would you do that? Go and take some time for yourself, be with your family. But I'm sure it's what his dad would have wanted and it's what, what, what he wanted to do. And I, I think they have such a close-knit group, don't they? And I think that was shown by the leaving the space for him. Because, you know, not all teams would have done that. I think a lot of people wouldn't have even thought about it. They would have just said, OK, right, go, off you go. And then they get, get back to business. And, you know, obviously, you know, people care. But I think that shows that he is such a crucial part of the team. And I, I don't know. I, I think the, the, the Spanish have a really great team bond as, as far as teams go. I think you know, they're all pretty experienced, aren't they? So they, they kind of have all been playing together for quite a significant amount of time. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, because Nadal, Lopez, Carreño, Busta and Bautista, Agut, they're, they're, they've all been around. They've all played lots of Davis Cup ties, so they really do have a good bond. What is your take, though, on the last-minute reshuffle of the Spanish team? So Ooh. all roads leading to Kyle Edmund taking on Pablo Carreño, Busta, then they walk up to do their pre-match interviews, and it's Feliciano Lopez. Mm. How long before the match was that, roughly? Minutes. 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 Ooh. Minutes. Ooh. So did he, because if you have a medical certificate from a doctor, then you can do that, I guess, because you're essentially subbing somebody in. Pablo Carinabusta had suggested in his press conference to the Spanish press the night before that he wasn't quite right and there was something that was, he might be a little bit injured, might not be able to play. And I believe that he did see the tournament doctor. I think it was just the lack of notice you know Kyle Edmund has prepared to face a right-hander with a different kind of game and then up pops a left-hander the serve and volleyer of Feliciano Lopez and look Kyle Edmund played brilliantly and he's look it's not ideal but you just get on with it and he beat Feliciano Lopez but uh, yeah there was a couple of people scratching their heads when uh, Feliciano Lopez walked out on court yeah it was done quite late wasn't it I, as I say I don't know what the rules are but um you would imagine that the rule is that it needs to be half an hour before at the very latest unless it was an accident that happened within the 30 minutes before the match is to be played because everybody wants the match to be played rather than it to be forfeited so you could understand that but tough for Kyle <laughs> quite a different style of player I say so yeah you, you just have to kind of adapt but I mean players are used to doing that through the year we, we get very little prep time for our opponents and as I say in comparison to other sports where you have a, a whole week to prepare against the person you're playing against I mean really if you get 24 hours you're, you're pr feeling pretty happy with that so um, you've got to get used to adapting and he's got his captain there and the team there and also he's been playing amazing it's this has been the revival of Kyle Edmund that's what I wanted to ask you because I know we had this discussion it feels a long time, a lifetime ago now about Jack Sock when singles weren't going very well, doubles was going very well, and there was me going, yeah, he's going to go into pre-season full of confidence because he's smashing on the doubles court and he's just won the, the tour finals. And you looked at me with that look of disdain and you said it will have no effect. It's completely different. Don't be silly. Um, so then I stopped at that point. Kyle Edmund, he's yes. had a, a season on tour to forget. It hasn't gone well at all. He's come in to this Davis Cup situation with teammates, with his captain on his bench, and he's played an absolute blinder. 
does this now mean, and of course he was playing singles through this competition, he hadn't moved to the doubles, but will that make a difference going into the preseason purely on confidence? Or again, is it different because here he has the captain on the bench, his teammates around him, and it's very different when you then go on your own with your team and do it by yourself? Yeah, I don't think it's a slam dunk in terms of, okay, now he's just playing at this level and he's beating quality players round after round and he's just going to continue doing that. I think that it is very different when you're out on your own. Um, But ultimately, when you're in Kyle's situation, he will have spent the last couple of months trying to boost his confidence. So it's obviously not been happening in matches. So he needs to try and do that in practice. So he'll be playing practice sets. And you actually end up stepping down your practice partners. So you kind of you need to start where you can win some practice sets and then build up and and it can be quite difficult that you can keep going down and thinking okay this this is just hurting the confidence <laughs> and this is where it's the coach's job to find the right level that you can beat because you don't want to keep losing keep losing keep losing move down 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 because by the time you just keep losing confidence right so the coach needs to find somebody that you can beat and then you build on that confidence and then you might play that person again and then you do it again and again and again and you never ever ask somebody to lose ever because in terms of a practice partner because it's just so obvious. It is so obvious. Like, you know, you just know it when you're playing against somebody. You just know it, and you can know, you can tell by their reaction at the end. You can tell by all these different things. It's like, it's almost like a poker face. It's like <laughs> you, you can just suss it out, and then you, and then you know, you won't gain the confidence. You have to really beat somebody. It has to be genuine, and then you build it up, build it up, build it up. Right. So, he's gone into this environment where he's got Leon on the bench. He's got his whole team there playing for his country lots of good memories so actually almost kind of like the the practice matches this has built his confidence and he's managed to get the win so he's just jumped up a lot in confidence he's still not where he was he's still not where he needs to be he needs to do it on his own but this will be a huge boost going into the off season because there was probably a time where he thought he wasn't going to get picked for the team and uh, you know I think he would have been happy enough saying right fine I'm going to go start my off season early and away we go so it's it's a it's a big boost that he's managed to get these wins on the board it has been with the help of his captain and his team okay that's fine the next step will be able to beat those players without them that that sort of thing so he's he's well on his way so i think that i mean well 100 percent 2020 is going to be better than 2019 but um i i think he'll be back up whether he'll reach his career high ranking or not i don't know about a moment that um, your 404 finish is a story that you will probably tell children and they'll turn their grand a little bit about Isna and Mahu at Wimbledon it's one of those stories I'll probably whip out in my old age in the rocking chair I did <laughs> I did have a memorable moment for this Davis Cup finals but it is probably one that I won't be telling children and other people as time goes by but I must share it with you and the people who listen to this podcast <laughs> so we're in a row of commentary boxes they're like portaloos oh really lovely <laughs> they're, they're, you were in a room I guess you went in a door and you're in a room and you look out onto the centre court is that right sure yeah it's, it's right. a box yeah. so we're in a box in a room so we're looking through right. two layers of glass so we're in a porter cabin that's been put in a room and the porter cabin is a very nice porter cabin, but we're split into lots of different boxes. So we have a nice size one. Next to us was a gentleman from Argentina Radio. 
he would get very loud at times and very quiet. And the other day I was, I was coming back up to our commentary box and Great Britain were playing on court two against Germany. Argentina were playing down on the centre court, so where our box is. And the, the gentleman from Argentina was doing a report into his phone and Guido Pella was about to take the first set and it, it, was an, it was an enormous thing. I think they were playing Spain, weren't they? It was an enormous thing. Guido Pella's about to take the first set, Pablo Carina Buster. <laughs> I just happened to be walking past the open door of his cabin. He got so excited when Guido <laughs> Pella won the set that as he stood up to report it, he broke wind at the same oh. time. <laughs> but it went on for 10 seconds. No. So the breaking wind lasted longer than his match report that he was yelling. <laughs> I cannot tell you. I came, to, I came to an abrupt halt and I couldn't move. I was frozen and I was staring because he, he was multitasking really well. <laughs> because because he stood up and he was screaming about Guido Pella but obviously the excitement the enthusiasm of everything he was saying he literally lost control <laughs> and the and, <laughs> and the other part of his body it was I didn't time it but it was a bit it was about 10 seconds long and I, I didn't know what to think and I, I laughed about the next 10 or 15 minutes and poor old Miles McLagan was on commentary next door and hadn't heard it and he kept looking out and saying, have I done something? Was it me? And I just, I absolutely, I just, yeah, I couldn't stop laughing. And then later that evening when we'd finished, the Argentinian gentleman came next door and said, could someone come into my box and help me with my television? I was just, I just started laughing. Um, I couldn't do it. I, I actually couldn't do it. It was, um, it was. Have you ever done that? No, I haven't. Have you? <laughs> well, no, but I, just, I don't know. <laughs> oh, no, I don't think this can be replicated. <laughs> I mean, do you understand? <laughs> I mean, did you understand? He broke wind for 10 seconds. I mean, I've never and done that's that. Quite, that's quite... No, <laughs> exactly. That is quite a long time. Under no circumstances. It's just a continuous stream of, of, of excitement from both ends from this fella. As Guido Pella won the set, Argentina would go on to lose the tie. And uh, he was not to be seen again. But that was is that awful. That's one of my memories that I'll take away from the Davis Cup finals. Oh, that is amazing. But I tell you what, the Argentine fans were my favourite. I did feel like every time I did a match, I was like, these are my favourite fans. No, these are my favourite fans. But hands down, Argentina win it. They, they just have a party non-stop they just oh i was like oh this is amazing i just so want to get involved here and when they were playing against germany <laughs> they were playing against germany oh, this was the 2018 finish that third set break a longest tie break in davis cup history boris becker <laughs> was was standing up because i tell you what you know considering he's just had a major knee operation and you know, whatever he was so involved he was so animated he was on his feet after every single point he was brilliant but <laughs> he was he was just dancing with the argentine sort of music because they, they basically brought a whole band it was like a one-man band sort of thing loads of just just breaking into this song the whole time and it was amazing and he was clapping the german team like, so the doubles team, but in time to the Argentine music. So almost like he was doing a flamenco. He had his hands like to the side of his face and was just kind of clapping and bobbing along. And I was like, <laughs> Boris was just laughing. <laughs> they, they really were amazing. Oh, that was, a, that was a sight that I just found hilarious because every time the camera went to him, he was just... 
I don't know. It was just dark. It was just bobbing along to the to the tune, just absolutely loving it. Well, Miles and I were watching Great Britain against Germany, and we were wondering because Boris Becker kept standing up, cheering a German point, sitting down with, as you mentioned, the knee brace because he's had that knee surgery. And can you imagine if his doctor said, "And I'd like you to rest, not a lot of movement, and just stay still." <laughs> and there he is on yeah. TV, literally every point, <laughs> he's just bobbing up and down. And I thought that's going to be a little bit sore. But and he actually, Germany faced Great Britain on his 52nd birthday as well. Uh, it wasn't the greatest oh, end birthday. of birthdays, yeah, because Great Britain would go through. No, look, it's it's been great today. A little bit later, we've got the final. We've got Spain guaranteeing a fantastic episode. And look, what Nadal is doing. All these hard court matches, this stage of the season, how he's playing is amazing. And Canada, they've got they've got two players. Canada have got two. They've made the final with two. They've only played two players. Vasek Pospisil, yeah. bless him, whose body doesn't often play ball. And he had some real kneading in his shoulder against Russia. And then you've got Denis Shapovalov. Two players <laughs> have taken Canada to the final. <laughs> yeah, but Canada... Now, if Canada reflect on the Davis Cup schedule, they probably think it's fine because they managed to get things wrapped up in two days. They went two wins and they couldn't play the final doubles match. They played one less match than everybody else. So they went straight through to quarterfinals, had a day off, which was nice. They kind of, as you said, were getting through relatively quickly most of the time. And to be fair to them, it's because they're winning. So if you don't go down to the deciding doubles, then of course you're going to get done a lot quicker, aren't you? So they've been very efficient, but they have also probably had the kindest schedule. And uh, yeah, I think they're, they're very happy, but quite extraordinary. It's definitely the smallest team, isn't it, by oh, by a way? I mean, I remember on the second day when they had to pull out of their doubles against the Americans. And we kind of got through like, oh, there's too many injuries on the team. There are two players that are injured. And we were thinking, where are your other players? And they don't have them. They, just, they didn't have anyone else. That was it. They had, I think, maybe three medicals or something uh, on, on the team. So quite extraordinary. Yeah, they've kind of streamlined, haven't they, in terms of their, their, their team. I don't know what the support team's like, because I didn't actually do a Canada match, but in terms of their, the bench, is it kind of full with doctors and physios and, and the works like everybody else, or is it just kind of like, yeah, just a few players? It's, it's pretty full, and Felix Ogelio-Sin is there. We know his ankle is not quite right, and Braden Schnur, he's got a, a little bit of an issue as well, so he can't play um, it's it, it, look, it's a pretty good bench, and their fans are very good. I'm excited about their fans because against Russia, they were immense, the Canadian fans, and I think they're going to be back in their numbers. So, in terms of, I know maybe the organisers they were hoping, willing, praying maybe for Spain, Serbia. Then you could have had Djokovic and Nadal, number one, and number two, facing off against each other in the second match. But I think with Canada, you're going to get. You've got the excitement of Shapovalov, although he does have to face Rafa Nadal. And I think it's going to be exciting. And we've got Shakira. We've got Gerard Piquet's wife doing the entertainment at some point, I believe. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, but That's going to be good. Yes. No, I think that I'm looking forward to that. But the reason we're doing this today, and I'm facing a concrete wall, and people are now starting to think I'm a little bit weird <laughs> just sitting here facing a concrete wall, is because you're off on your honeymoon. I am. And I will not know the result until I land in Santiago. That's where I'm going. I'm joining the Chilean team. We're all, <laughs> we're all flying home together <laughs> and all the Chilean fans who are also amazing, really big fans of those. But I am going to Chile tonight, but we fly at about 10 p.m. So that's 11 p.m. your time, uh, which means it probably won't... Well, what time does it start? I don't know. So you might know the result because it starts 4 p.m. So if it's two singles, I'll probably... Know, if, if, it, if it's two nil that I probably know. But if it comes down to the siding doubles, then maybe I won't. Because you were talking about um, 
the length of the matches and how Nadal was taking quite a long time and that sort of thing. But also, I think people forget that you can't really play as quickly as you would on the normal ATP tour because of the crowds and the fans. You, you have to wait for that. It's pretty much a full 25 seconds every single point. So that really slows down the matches because sometimes you'd want to go in 10 seconds. You kind of can't really. But um, anyway, yeah, so I'm, I'm off, on, off on holiday um, for a couple of weeks. And yeah, go tonight and that's it yeah hiking trekking all sorts i don't know what else we're gonna do a lot of walking I think. it's an active holiday is it oh yeah we're, no, we're not very sit still sort of people so and <laughs> we're not really sun seekers or beach goers so yeah it's i mean <laughs> there's a very high risk of injury to myself and i do normally manage to to when there is a risk i normally manage to find it so uh yeah, it should be interesting is this a rucksack holiday so a couple of bits and pieces in a rucksack and off we go. Oh, no, we've got a massive suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. No, no, this is a honeymoon. This is not This is not kind of gap year travelling. You're making it sound like an adventure holiday. Well, it is. Rather than a honeymoon. If I think honeymoon, I think there's a spa element. There's a bit of resting, a bit of relaxing. I mean, this sounds like yeah. you could market this and get other people to join you. No, 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 they, no. We're doing all of the hiking and the trekking. But then when we come back to the hotel, it happens to be a very nice hotel. <laughs> so we've got the spa uh. and the pool and the all sorts at the hotel. But we will have an active day and then a very comfortable and relaxing evening. So, yeah, it's come at the end of a, a long season and a, a, a brilliant season I just think uh, um, for you it's not over but for me I'm kind of I've got that real feeling of like wow season's over that's that's a wrap on 2019 you've got one more match left to do possibly three more matches oh okay yeah sorry that's what I meant <laughs> one more t- I, I had the problem because I'm leaving very early flying up very late tomorrow morning to get back for the for the boys and get back to the school run and oh on Tuesday I've got to do hamper making oh a Christmas hamper school thing we're gonna go and the mums are gonna make hampers okay my my first suggestion is get a small hamper <laughs> then it will take you <laughs> take you less time to fill it and then I can say I'm done <laughs> um, and it's it's kind of full on Christmas preparations when I get back I've missed a couple of birthday parties this weekend my other half was like I can't do birthday parties all the time. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's kind of a thing. So I'm back in the swing of things, Christmas preparation. I actually did a little bit of Christmas shopping on a morning off I had here. The problem is now I don't know how to get it all back because it doesn't fit in my suitcase. Oh, that is difficult, isn't it? Does anybody else have space in their suitcase? I'm not travelling back with anyone else, so that would be... <laughs> I can't believe how different our Davis Cup experiences have been. You've had time for no, shopping. It was <laughs> I barely had time to, to, do, to, to eat or sleep. It was a little window of an hour, and I'd seen a shop, and I snuck out to get a few okay, things for the boys. Okay. Um, but now I'm just working out how I'm going to try and get it back, and I'm not sure I'm going to get it all back. So that's... When at five o'clock tomorrow morning, when I'm leaving the hotel, I'll be trying to work out how to get things back. But no, it, it's been really good. It's been great to be here. I'm really looking forward to the final a little bit later today. And then, yeah, work-wise, got a, a bit of football, a lot of Christmas preparation. And we are going to be speaking, aren't we, during your honeymoon, I believe. And this was at the, this was at the agreement of your other half. Yeah, we're going to do one while we're out there. So we do this one a little bit early. That's fine. But we'll do one while we're out there and I'm not going to ask you who you think is going to win later because I think it's a bit harsh because this is going to come out after the final so <laughs> it's, 
it's quite it's quite difficult. I could probably give you the answer. <laughs> I, 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 I'm fairly set on my answer, but yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, look, it, it's been great. It's been a great way to finish off the season, and I'm sure we're going to talk a lot more about it. But you've got to go and pack. Have you packed? Actually, have you packed? No, I haven't started. And uh, I fly in what? about five you hours. You haven't started? You must have started. No, no, absolutely not. Uh, no, got the suitcase got that out no but I'm a bit of, you know come on I've travelled a lot now how hard can it be I say <laughs> well you're going trekking and running and I mean this, this is an adventure holiday you're packing for it's not just a beach that you're going to go and lie on you've got to pack for all sorts of things yeah yeah exactly but I, I think I think I can do it I'm just more sort of whenever I pack and I've always been like this whenever I pack for trips is that uh, I'm kind of a bit let's say fair about it I don't write a list or anything but then there's always something I forget so I turn up and I'm playing a tennis tournament and I go oh okay I have no socks didn't do socks just <laughs> didn't cross my mind to do the socks okay fine or then it's you know adapters or something that there's normally something missing but I always think if you've got your passport you've got a phone and you've got a credit card you can sort out whatever you need but it, it, I mean it's not necessarily the most efficient way of doing things but uh, yeah I kind of just I go around the house saying I need this I need this I need this and then suitcase is full and I go okay great and then I get there and as I say I'm missing all I don't have any trainers or something don't forget your husband ah uh, no that would be difficult to do <laughs> we should be all right right are, are you are you bored of staring into the wall uh, it, it, it's just the people just keep walking past me and, and no one's disturbed me because they must think I'm just having a moment. I really want a picture from behind of you just looking at the wall. It looks like I'm talking to a concrete wall because my phone is kind of perched on my bag as we talk to each other. It's quite ridiculous. But no, I'm going to go now because we've got a few bits and pieces to do pre finals and pre-final yeah. bits and pieces to get done including lunch which is the first port of call you need to pack i need to have lunch have have an amazing start to the honeymoon i mean i don't know when i'll next speak to you but i'm going to track you down somewhere at some point and and we'll catch up over another podcast can't wait enjoy the final enjoy your honeymoon <laughs> <laughs>